Hello everyone, this is Motos and Friends, the podcast from the editors at Ultimate Motorcycling. My name is Arthur Coldwells. This week is all about motorcycling icons. We're focused on the heritage of motorcycling. Speaking of heritage, have you seen the Yamaha Sport Heritage range of classically styled performance motorcycles? I've been riding the gorgeous looking Yamaha XSR 900 recently, and its great looks are more than backed up by its incredible performance. Visit YamahaMotorsports.com to find out more about the exciting Heritage line, or check it out for yourself at your local dealer today. Our featured motorcycle this week is Harley's new addition to its Icons collection, the 2023 Harley-Davidson Electroglide Highway King. This new machine is a beautifully styled tribute to the 1968 Electroglide FLH, but of course, now it comes with a modern motor, chassis, suspension, and so on. Don Williams rode the machine to uh, Williams in Arizona and reports back on his adventure and what he thought of the bike. In our second segment, Associate Editor TJ Adams chats with Kelly Knievel. He's the son of 70s stunt riding icon Evil Knievel and brother to the late Robbie Knievel. Kelly is a producer, actor, and the head of K&K Promotions, which owns the right to Evil Knievel's name. Evil Knievel, of course, needs no introduction. He was literally the ultimate showman. His many stunts included jumps over cars, buses, as well as attempts at the fountains at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas and at the Snake River Canyon in Idaho. Having grown up in this legendary family, Kelly's memories of both his father and his brother are great to hear. So, from all of us here at Ultimate Motorcycling, we hope you enjoy this episode. The Yamaha name stands for a heritage of motorcycle performance at classic styling. Visit your local dealer to find the 2023 Yamaha Sport Heritage bike for you. Like the Yamaha Bold R-Spec that features a torquey V-twin engine combining old-school soul and modern form. Or the XSR 900, where timeless design meets the sheer power of a CP3 power plant and is the rebirth of a legend. The XSR 700 is built to be customized with modern classic looks and cross-plane concept twin performance. And the light and nimble V-Star 250 is built for fun with a V-twin engine and a low seat height for easy handling. For all things Yamaha Sport Heritage, visit yamahamotorsports.com or see the Bolt R-Spec XSR 900, XSR 700 or the V-Star 250 at your local dealer today. The full name is a long one. It's the 2023 Harley-Davidson Electroglide Highway King. <laughs> and it's part of their Icons collection, which uh, now has three bikes in it. Uh, they released one a year. The first year was the Electroglide Revival, which was the 1969 Electroglide with the Batwing fairing. It was the first year of the Batwing fairing. Right. And uh, it was beautiful blue bike with a very, very tall white seat. And uh, it was a it was a great touring bike. Uh, I went out in, to Arizona, Williams, Arizona, to visit my dad on it, and uh, just really enjoyed riding across the desert on it. it although uh, 
on the uh, revival, it was, it was very hot and I got second degree burns on my right leg <laughs> from, from the valve cover, the way it was designed with the high seat in the leg position, it, 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 it literally second degree burned on my leg. Wow. Uh, so that was the first one, but I loved the bike anyway, despite that, the, the pain and agony <laughs> that it inflicted <laughs> on me, it was, it was worth it. The bike was totally amazing. And then last year they came out with the, uh, low rider ST El Diablo, which was the, uh, basically it was the standard low rider ST, but painted a wild red. It looked great. Uh, I took that up to the Central Valley of California and rode it all over the place. And everywhere I went on that ride, people were like, oh, that's a cool bike. Look at that bike. That one wasn't functionally any different than the standard lowrider ST, but it was cool. And so that's always, it's always great to have a bike that works great and, and looks great. Well, for 2023, Harley Davidson has returned to the Electric Glide uh, name for uh for their icons collection bike and this is a 1968 electric light the previous one from two years ago was the 69 this is the 68 okay. and the 68 electric light uh flh was the final year of just having the windshield uh instead of having a fairing it was just just the you know the normal the big windshield on the front and in more recent years that's that look has been has come to be associated with the road king in the touring line and uh, the heritage classic also uses the soft tail world but in the in the uh, great american touring harley davidson realm uh, that's the road king bike and uh, this year the road king was not on the menu and i thought oh man that's kind of weird road king's been around for a long time wonder why that is well that's because they were holding back the uh 2023 electric glide highway king <laughs> so they went from beyond the road king to the highway king and so again, this this replicates the 1968 FLH uh, Glide, and it has the functional windshield rather than the fairing. The reality is that there's a lot of changes between the standard Road King and the new Highway King. The, the Road King has a 107 motor. The Highway King has a 114 motor right there. Huge difference. That's a big difference. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the Road King runs on 18-inch wheels and the Highway King runs on 16-inch wheels. So you have a totally different kind of feel with the with the smaller wheels on the, the Highway King. Uh, and they have slightly different Dunlop tires, although that's not a big functional difference. It's the big deal is that, you know, you have this big, big fat front tire on the Highway King instead of the, the thinner, taller Road King tire. I so, uh, yeah, and uh, on the Highway King, just like the, uh, electric Glide Revival, this Electric Glide Highway King has a solo seat and it's a tall solo seat. Now this, in this case, in the, for the Highway King, they didn't make it as tall as the uh, Revival. They dropped it down a little bit, but it's still tall. It's, it's 31.1 inches in the air, which is, which is tall. It's, I looked it up, it's the same as a Honda CB500F uh, sport bike. So, but the Honda CB500F weighs less than half as much as the, as the Highway King. So you've got a tall seat height with a big bike. Uh, and this, that seat height is 3.3 inches taller than the Road King. I mean, that's a lot. 3.3 wow, inches a is not like, oh, well, that's just a little tiny bit. It's, it's a lot. And yeah. uh, I could almost flat foot it with boots on if I slid up on the seat. It's one of those kind of catcher mitts cut this the seat is kind of a cross between a catcher's mitt and a bicycle seat 
it's it's got a, a big wide rounded part for your butt and then it narrows down in the front so you can put your you know thighs down your legs down dangle them down and, and get a good uh, feel for the ground at, at stops and again you're not in most cases i'm not you know and i have a 30 and a half inch uh inseam and i'm 510 i was not you know normally flat footed on that bike so it's you know it's tall now that's mostly an issue when you're going slow and you're in a parking lot or something I mean, once you're riding you don't notice it except that with that tall seat height and the rest of the the platform is still you know the basic grand america touring platform is that your legs dangle down more so some people might not think that sounds good but it is good because i kind of compared it to like a, a seat at a, at a bar you know it's like your legs are not up kind of high and your butt low like when you're on a, a typical kind of cruiser tour you're up high your legs have a lot of leg room to just kind of dangle down and 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 sit on the floorboards the floorboards are big so there's a lot of room to move your 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 feet up and back on the floorboards and the solo seat is pretty big it it, it you can have a really big butt and it would still be supported by that seat. But for me, which of me of smaller butt, I could move around a lot on that seat. I mean, I could move, you know, a few inches easy back and forth. So between the ability to move my feet over a wide range and my butt over a fairly, you know, wide range, I was constantly able to keep comfortable. And I could put, I could empty the gas tank, the six gallon gas tank, I could go from full to the light blinking like get gas or you're gonna run out without stopping no problem wow. so that was good uh wow. another different we'll go back to the differences now the rear wheel travel on the road king is three inches the highway king is 2.15 inches now it's not very much travel just just merely over two inches but i think they did that that's how they got the seat height down from the revival which was pretty tall okay so you have this you know completely different ergonomics you have the bigger motor you have the smaller diameter, fatter tires. And uh, on the Road King, all the different uh, Harley-Davidson rider, uh, electronic rider aids, you know, like track, you know, traction control, ABS, combined braking, and all of this is cornering aware. They're all a uh, option on the old Road King, again, which isn't around this year, on the electric glide highway king those are all standard it has the full wide range of of electronic help <laughs> now okay. it's kind of funny when you ride you don't really notice any of them but it's it's good to have them it's good to have traction control it's good to have good abs it's good to have like uh, you know transparent combined braking so all that is there sure uh, and now from like an aesthetic standpoint the highway king has the big windshield like a road king but the bottom half is a transparent color uh, there's two different versions of the paint one is uh the hi-fi orange and the other is the hi-fi magenta so the the transparent winds windshield part the plastic part that you, you know, again you can see through you see through pretty well you know it's tinted either hi-fi orange or hi-fi magenta to match the tank the side yeah. covers and the front fender and rear fender and yeah. the paint is amazing. Everywhere you go, the people go, oh, that bike is awesome. And yeah, this, it this brings, it's absolutely stunning. Right. And this brings me to another like internet wor world of people. There's a few people that really, the bike has white saddlebags. 
So this right. is the hardest, the hard cases on both sides are white. And most people are used to the modern world where they would match the bike. Color matched, yeah. Right. But in this case, in 1968, the FLH had the bags and they were white, <laughs> no matter what color the bike was. So, so the Harley designers this year for this bike stuck with the white bags and it really looks cool. And the way they made it to me, make it, made it work is that the seat has like a, a white band around it and it has white wall tires. So with those two things, it, it brings it all together. Instead of the bikes just being everything orange, you know, or everything magenta, yeah. it has this contrasting look and it really looks amazing. And I, you know, I, I've talked about this. I'll just <laughs> mention that I've talked about this before because I have, and I keep, we'll talk, we'll keep talking about it. It's part of having a motorcycle, riding motorcycles looking cool. And this bike looks cool. Where I, when I would stop for gas or I'd stop to eat or something, I had, and this is not an exaggeration, this is literal, people running across the street to come look at the bike and ask me about it. Wow. You know, and or across the parking lot, or they come around, people would approach me, not just people that were like next to me at the gas station or something, or, you know, they would come to me to want to know about this bike. You know, they wanted to know, well, what year is it? And I said, well, it's a 2023. Oh, really? You know, and, but other people know, oh, that's the new Highway King. Oh man, that looks even better in person. Oh, I can't believe how cool that is. Oh, how much did it cost? You know, and all the, you know, all these uh, the other questions that people ask. And uh, since they asked me how much it costs, I can uh, mention that it's 26,999, which, you know, is not insignificant and is quite a bit more than the, Road King, but you know we can compare it to the Road King all day. And the Road King was nineteen thousand one hundred ten dollars last year, but it's just it's it's it just superficially looks like a Road King. It's a totally different bike. So okay. we'll we'll stop talking about the Road King. But I just wanted to address that for the people who will look at it and go, well, that's just a Road King. It's like, well, just just as all the Harley touring bikes have a similarity of platform, yeah. But, but the reality is that there's so many differences that it's 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 its own bike so anyway uh, riding it to, uh, again I, did, I decided to ride out to see my dad in williams arizona again and uh that was you know a great ride now the first thing i was thinking about is am i going to burn my leg again <laughs> well the seat <laughs> height is not quite as tall relative to the f uh, floorboards as it was on the uh electro guide revival so your legs are bent just a little bit more. So my calf wasn't right next to the rear uh, valve cover, which is what was burning my, my calf. So it was up there. And also they put a little plastic guard there. So I remember when that first happened to me, I wrote about it and Harley had a representative call me like, what happened? You know, like, I, I, I guess nobody had had that problem. And I explained <laughs> it to them and how I was and they were like, oh, okay, okay, okay. You know, and they were, they were definitely concerned about it. And, and whoever did the work on this bike probably remembered my story or, and I would assume that other people had, you know, my height had that same experience. And part of it was that I had ridden across the desert. It was hundred degrees. It was hot, but I don't know that that makes that much of a difference. You know, it's like, it was 90 this time when I was going through needles, uh, California. So it's 90 instead of hundred, was it that 10 degrees? the difference between you know a second degree burn and, and nothing at all no it's 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 about the slightly different ergonomics and the uh, plastic guard that they put over the valve cover you know between the valve cover and your leg and so they the one problem i had with the revival they fixed for this bike and you know i can't say enough good things about the seat you know because the seat 
in some ways, in addition to the paint, is kind of the star of the bike. You know, yes, it has the 114, but other other big touring bikes have 114s. And uh, but the seat is this big, comfortable seat. <laughs> you know, it looks like a seat. It looks like a saddle. You know, and right. it it looks thin, but and it is when you you know you. But it just has great support and it has a great feel. The way they did it, they really nailed it down. Uh, additionally, it, it's a sprung seat. Now it's not a sprung seat in the way that you think where there's springs all around. It's basically the pole that supports the seat is sprung. It's, there's no damping, so it's not like a shock. Uh, sure. it's, just, it's just a spring with you know the tube in the middle. So what happens is when you sit on it, it's just it, my weight, like 160, it slightly pushes down it, just slightly. Now, certainly if you're heavier, you, you push it down more. And so when you're riding, it's just kind of always riding this little sprung position. And that's you know, certainly a big part of the comfort of the bike. And when you go over a bump, you, know, you can feel it go down. And because there's no damping, you can, it tops out when you finish the bump. You know? So you can feel that little top out and then it kind of settles back down in. And it's kind of a cool feeling actually, it sounds like, Oh, well, you know, would you like that? It's like, well, it's not topping out dramatically. It's just kind of clicking up like, like, oh yeah, I'm back up. Okay. Now I'll settle back down. You feel it like on G outs, you know, along the way, or, you know, it's not so much about a rough road, but just like those little things that push down, like you're going through a dip or something. So the seat is great, you know, and the seat allows you to have that leg room that makes it possible to ride that many miles in complete comfort. And when you're sitting up more upright like that, also the handlebars then end up being much lower. The bars are almost like mini apes, but they're still low relative to the seat. So instead of your arms being kind of up in the air, which some people like, you know, the kind of fists in the air kind of thing, they're they're down. And so you're kind of like, you're standing there, you're relaxed, your arms are down and relaxed. And I could just, like I said, I could ride the whole tank of gas without stopping, no problem. And, you know, I could probably do that on a standard Road King you know, or other uh, touring bike with a low seat. And, but I don't think I'd be as comfortable. And so uh, I really like that ergonomic format. Uh, yeah. The windshield is, it's not like a big fairing. You know, your, your hands are out. And basically the, the windshield at my height protects my body a lot. And it directs a, a good amount of air towards my head but there's no turbulence. So it's not like my head gets fatigued by it. It just kind of keeps the air flowing. And again, I was going, uh, you know, in late spring. So it was pretty warm, not, you know, across the desert. I mean, on one day I started, you know, it started, the temperature started in the fifties and went into the nineties. So I had a, a wide range, but the bike was always comfortable. You know, that, that, that wind protection was enough to keep me from, you know, freezing my body, you, you know, when it was, when it was cooler, but, it, when it got warm, it, it allows enough in to keep air flowing so it, it, it's comfortable. And it, what's cool about the, all these Icon bikes and Icon's collection bikes is that they're functional. And the Electric Glide Highway King is a totally functional motorcycle. It's not just like, oh, wow, we put this cool tank or paint on the bike and we put this you know, wild looking seat and we did this and well, who cares how it rides, you know, when people are buying this bike to make it, you know, cause it looks cool. It actually is a great touring bike. I wouldn't, you know, the, the normal road, they have the Road King special still. And that is an awesome city bike. 
that is an urban motorcycle, even though it's got bags, it's for, you know, you want to carry whatever you're going to work or you're going to the liquor store or whatever you want to carry stuff with you. The Road King Special is an awesome urban motorcycle, but not, it has no windshield, tall bars. It's not a, not a bike you'd want to take touring, at least not, I, I wouldn't, you know, there's a million other bikes I would rather pick before that. But this Highway King is the Highway King. It is a motorcycle designed for you to go out on the open road and go long distances, cross country, border to border. Uh, but it's not a city bike at all. I mean, I would, you know, with that seat height, unless you're six five or something, that's a lot of, you're high. And if you're going to come to a lot of stops and you're going to have to make U-turns, you're going to have to work on parking lots and stuff. The bike is, can be a bit of a handful. And I almost dropped it a couple of times. Uh, one of them, I was, I went into Oatman and I'll talk about that little part of the trip in a minute, but I'll just talk about the specific spot to take a picture on an overlook at Oatman, which is a, a revived ghost town, mining town in, uh, in Arizona. So I'm on top, I'm, I'm pulling this parking lot that's gravel, gravel rocky parking lot to take the picture. And of course I put the bike in the best spot for the picture without really thinking about like, how am I gonna get out of there on that bike? You know, if I was on a dual sport, it would have been no problem. But all of a sudden, I'm on this tall seated touring bike, and there are these big rain ruts and sharp, <laughs> pointy rocks, and then a lip back onto the road. Yikes. How am I going to get this bike up there? It's like, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to wreck their bike. I don't want to fall. I don't want to scrape the bottom really bad. And I'm concerned that if I just, just, you know, send it, <laughs> that I'll, bang the bottom and do damage to the bike even if i don't fall but maybe i'll like high side high center it and crash and i don't you know i don't want any of these bad things to happen i only want good things to happen when i'm riding so <laughs> right. I, I i get up to it and i have my feet down and i just say okay i'm just gonna kind of work my way through these ruts and they were deep because we know how much rain there's been in the southwest over this this winter and you know i got over one and then the bike kind of starts to shake a bit and you know because it's the motor's on and it's that big 114 and you know there's movement and so my foot kind of slips a bit I'm like it's gonna fall no I pulled it up oh you know another one and then finally at the last one I said okay I think I can get it to get it up the little lip onto the pavement I look both ways to make sure there's no cars coming just rev it up a little boop, gas it and boom up it goes and I go oh dodge that bullet and <laughs> you know it, I mean the motor helps because that's you know, big torquey motor has no problem. Uh, Instant power. Yeah, and it has has traction control, so it was all good. And you know, it it made it as easy as it could be. But it was one of those things where I was like, man, I should have thought of this a little bit more carefully than like, oh, how do I get the coolest picture? You know. <laughs> so uh, anyway, and I did get a cool picture, which was which made it worth it, of course. And the bike didn't scrape, but it was it was a little hairball there. And so that just kind of reminded me that that tall seat height is 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 a liability at slow speeds, it, but it's awesome at high speeds. It's awesome for long distance. It makes the bike super comfortable, super easy to ride, just just great. Uh, the motor on that bike is 114 is just so fantastic, you know. And if you think about the little motor, relatively speaking, that was in the 1968 bike, you know, this, that was a four speed. You know, with this bike with a six speed. I mean, what, you can get into fourth and kind of forget that there's even two more gears. It's it's geared so high and, and, and the motor revs so freely. But if you get you get up in sixth and you can 
you know, I set the cruise control at like 85 across the Mojave Desert, and I rode for an hour without touching the throttle, you know. And so, again, that takes that uh, the fatigue away. You know, you're not having to right. hold the throttle open. You know, sometimes I'd have my arm on my side. Sometimes I'd have my feet, hands just resting flat on the bars. The bike's super stable. It was windy out there, as it often is in the desert. But that bike did not seem to care about the wind you know, because there's not that big flat fairing. You have that windshield, the windshield, the angle that it's at, you know, just being kind of going with the, you know, flow of the bike. So even though the wind was really howling here and there, I never once felt uncomfortable, like, oh, it's getting windy. I hope I can hold, you know, or I hope the bike doesn't blow over. I don't get knocked into another lane or it was never like that. And at the same time, going on some of the back roads, uh, what I did was, this is kind of unusual for me, and I think it's unusual for a lot of people, even when I read uh, travel stories that we do that somebody else has written and I'm editing them, is that people tend to, I think, take their time getting to their destination and then they kind of rush home. You get all these stories where people talk about all the stuff they did on the way to where they were going, and then this is like one paragraph, and then I went home. <laughs> yep, nags to the barn, I'm afraid. I'm kind of like that. Right. And, and that's when I go, I a lot of times have done that, whereas I take a long time to get to where I'm going. And then on the way back, I might even have like two days planned and I just ride, you know, 950 miles in one day, which I've done before. So in this case, what I did was I was going to see my dad, you know, I wanted to get there for dinner. So I just hopped on the interstates and just flew out there. I didn't take any side trips. I didn't take very many pictures. You know, I just just hauled ass to get there in time for dinner. <laughs> which I did. Actually, I got there funny an hour early because I'd forgotten that when we're on daylight savings time that Arizona has the same time as us and I don't lose an hour going over going over the Colorado River. So I got there actually early, which was good. So I did end up taking a few pictures in Williams, Arizona, which if anybody goes through Williams, Arizona, is going by Williams, Arizona, it's it's the gateway to the Grand Canyon. And even if you're not going to the Grand Canyon, it's it's it was one of the it was the last city that got bypassed by on route 66 that got bypassed when interstate 40 was open so there's a lot of really cool route 66 style buildings and places to eat and stuff it's it's a cool place yeah it is actually i like it it's very charismatic yeah and people are really friendly there and it's it's it's, it's cool so anyway so i rushed out there so i could get there in time for dinner and and my dad was like me he he's happy for me to like come out for dinner and then leave <laughs> he has things to do and he doesn't need me to hang around for a few days or he doesn't feel cheated like well you just got here he's like oh you're leaving okay bye <laughs> in fact he didn't even know how long i was coming when i had came for dinner i said okay yeah well, i'll be leaving kind of early in the morning he's like oh you're leaving tomorrow he goes i go yeah he goes okay because he went breakfast i go yeah yeah you're gonna make me breakfast and he goes okay <laughs> no so you know there was but there was none of the recriminations you're not going to spend more time with me it's like oh no he, <laughs> he got to talk to me and see me and have dinner we're, we're good and one of the things that had happened on the way out was Interstate 40, uh, as it climbs up into the mountains out of Kingman, is in really bad shape. I mean, it there are big potholes. I mean, like big potholes. It is really bad. It's like class action lawsuit bad enough. We took our RV through there a few weeks ago, and it shook us to pieces. Yeah, it's terrible. It's unbelievable. And when I was, I, I'd driven to my truck, with a couple of bikes in the back. And I've a couple of times thought I'd like broken a wheel. I had hit stuff so hard. Yeah. It's, I don't see how it can be that way. It's just really bad. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. And I mean, cars are like switching lanes and bearing in mind, it's, uh, 
it's a 70 mile an hour speed limit, isn't it? I think 75. 75. So all the semis are like switching lanes, trying to avoid all the broken. I've never seen a road like it in all my life. It's absolutely horrifying. Yeah. I will never take that road again. So I was talking to my dad about that. I said, man, that road sucks. It still sucks. When are they going to fix it? And he goes, well, you know, what you want to do is take the, the old Route 66 bypass. And I was like, oh, okay. So when I got to Seligman, I went and took a couple pictures there and then took the road that goes, it kind of makes an arc, like kind of a half moon arc to the north. And it's again, it's old Route 66 and it's in pretty good shape. And it's just two lanes, you know, one lane each direction. And there's nobody on it. It's great. Wow. Whereas on Interstate 40, you are way outnumbered. If you're in a car, you're outnumbered by the trucks. I mean, it is truck road. I wish I'd have known about this Route 66 bypass that you're talking about. I'll definitely take that next time. Yeah. So I went up, I got on it, and it was, it's two lanes the whole way, but there's nobody there. I mean, there's nobody on that road. And I, I think I saw more motorcycles than anything. I mean, I didn't see any trucks. There were no trucks on it. A uh, car once in a while, motorcycles once in a while. And so I'm, you know, going 80, 90 miles an hour the whole way. And even though it's farther and it probably took me a few more minutes, it was a thousand times better way to go. I mean, not only that, <laughs> right. but, but there are cool things out, out there. You know, right. there's, there's cool stuff to see when, if you look on our website and you see my review of the, uh, not the, the review of the bike doesn't have the picture, but when I do a, a story about the travel portion of, the, of the, the, the test, I have a bunch of cool pictures and there's a cool old gas station there, uh, you know, from the route 66 days where the guy, you know, he has, he has a, a car repair place. And it's funny, I pulled the bike up and parked in front of him. He has the old style, uh, you know, 60s style pumps. And the guy who owns it just kind of comes out and sees that I'm doing it. He doesn't call like, hey, what are you doing? You know, it's like, he's cool. <laughs> it's like, I have a cool place. You're taking a picture. Of course you are. But some some local guy comes driving up with his big truck and they pop the hood and the guy just like crawls up onto the hood, you know, up into the engine bay and he's looking down and trying to fix something. It's like really cool, like a real <laughs> place, you know? And so again, it's, it's very sparsely populated out there. There's very little as far as people goes, but there's a lot to see, a lot of cool buildings, uh, beautiful vistas, smooth, mostly smooth road. None, nothing, when it's not smooth, it's nothing like, interstate 40 it's not like the pothole you know it's just a little bumpy here and there but it's like any road but it's a thousand times better so anybody listening to this between seligman and kingman take old route 66 stay off the interstate i will never never go on that interstate again until i hear that it's been repaved and it's a long way i mean it's like 40 miles of that you know if you're if you're going on that it's not like you go oh well it's rough for two miles or something it's 40 miles of of torture is absolutely terrible right now from the motorcycle tester standpoint it was great to have that <laughs> you know experience now it was part of the thing that where the the seat being sprung you know revealed itself as being a great thing my arms and feet would feel the hit because man two 2.15 inches of rear wheel travel i was able to avoid most of the potholes on the road but not all of them you know, every once in a while, one would sneak up on me and, you know, the bike would, sh would hit it, but it didn't like ever, I never felt like I was going to crash. I just felt, man, bang, it was a whole hard drill, but the bike kept going straight, but you felt it, you know, through your, your hands and your feet, but my butt did not feel it. You know, I was not like bounced out of the seat. Like normally you'd be bounced out of the seat. It, in this case, the seat just, you know, squished down and then came back up. <laughs> and 
it was great. You know, it was like, wow, this <laughs> right. seat really works. The padding is good, but that spring really, you know, it makes a difference. And again, the suspension is good enough that it, it kept the bike stable. You know, it didn't bounce the bike up. It didn't, there was, you know, there's enough rebound that it's not, the bike isn't pogoing along. And the, the, the compression is, is not so stiff that, uh, you know, the bike bounces off these things. I mean, it, it, it did, a, I was impressed, you know, it, when you see 2.15 inches of shock, you know, wheel, rear, rear wheel travel, you start to get nervous when that stuff comes up, but it, but it handled it. So, uh, you know, that was a good thing, good part of the test to, on the way up to feel that, but I certainly did not need to do it a second time. Right. <laughs> Route was great. And then when I got into Kingman, I was like, oh yeah, I want to go up to Oatman. I hadn't been to Oatman for a while. So, and as I said, Oatman is a, a, a I want to say it's a ghost town, but it's, it's a historic mining town that they've turned into a tourist attraction. They have like a, they have like a shootout at about 1.30 in the afternoon. You know, now this isn't an actual shootout. They don't have live ammunition. It's, it's blanks. So it's not quite as exciting as it might be otherwise, but it's still, it's still a good show. And, uh, you know, the guys are dressed up like cowboys and, and, and it's cool. And the mining stuff, they're still mining materials everywhere. And, you know, there's places to buy t-shirts and stuff and eat, and, but all the buildings look really cool. And it's, it's, it's worth visiting. And the, the kind of the super special thing about Oatman is that it has wild burrows walking through town. And these are burrows that are the descendants of the burrows that they brought up to, for the mining, you know, uh, 150 years ago, 140 years ago, cool. and they let them loose at the end, and they fed <laughs> it for themselves, and they've continued to reproduce. And <laughs> now that you know, they just walk through town. They're completely tame. They're wild, but they're completely tame. You know, they're not. You know, they won't kick you or anything. They know that you're cool. Everybody's good. So there's always pictures of people posing with the burrow or petting them on the head. I scratched one in the head, and he seemed to like it. And uh, you know, it. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been up there, but it's 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 cool, and and the the boroughs are cool. Now, the road, the sit, the town up there, is protected by two very 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 twisty roads. The one approaching from the east, from Kingman, is super tight. I mean, it's like a twenty mile per hour speed limit, and that's not unreasonable, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, it's the, the the hairpins are tight, the drop offs are big. If you go over the edge, you don't come back, and uh, it's narrow. And so it's, 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 it's a fun motorcycle road. Uh, I got a good sense of the bike as a, as a twisties bike, which is not very good. Uh, it's a heavy bike, you know, it's, it's built for stability. So you got to really wrestle it around. And the handlebar is very, you know, tall, wide, and, but it's narrow gauge tubing. So it flexes a lot. I mean, if you're just sitting on the bike and you push down on the grips, you can, you can see the, the handlebar flex. I mean, you can do it wow. just with your muscles. So when you have your weight and the weight of the bike and inertia going through corners, it's moving a lot. And also the, the, the bar is rubber mounted. So there's, there's not a good feel at the front end. You know, you, even if you're like a sporting kind of guy, you quickly realize, hey, you know what? I'm just gonna take my time and work <laughs> my way through this. Now, a couple of the corners, you know, are smooth. You come into them the bike has a lot of cornering clearance. I mean, I didn't, I didn't ever touch down the, the floorboards, you know, I mean, I wasn't going that fast, but I was going through tight corners at, at, you know, what I thought was a pretty good lean angle, kept waiting for it to touch down, never did. So, you know, the, in the Dunlop tires are, you know, 
for on bikes like that tires don't have a big a lot to do you know right edge grip is like oh i'm leaning 20 degrees you know <laughs> so so it's always in the two 16 inch wheels the, the tires have a nice big footprint so you're good and uh you know it just it, it, it just take it easy take it slow it's the it's not the twisty king it is the highway king so when you're on the twisties you do the twisty you just kind of guide it through you know i mean i was still faster than the cars and I mean, when I went on a weekday uh, around noon, it wasn't very busy. So, but there, you know, there are people in like an RV, not the super big RVs, but like a, a you know, one of the kind of camper van type things, you know, they're going slow, you know, because right. around the corners, just the apexes are not very, you know, you, it's kind of hard to avoid going on the other side of the road, even if you don't want to. So I was going faster than those guys and I would pass them on the little short blips and most of them would just wave me by. So everybody's cool. But uh, and as you exit to the southwest, it's twisty, but not as twisty. It's a lot higher speed, but the road's bumpier. And then that drops you back down to the uh, Colorado River. And uh, again, it's, it's, it's very desolate out there. It's very interesting. You know, there's some big rock formations as you come out of Oatman to the southwest. And it's, it's, it's all worth seeing. So for anybody that's, that's you know, riding or even if you're in a car in that area, Oatman isn't... It's a little bit out of the way, but it's not super far out of the way. It actually is a shorter distance of driving than if you go on Interstate 40 from Needles to Kingman. It actually cuts a decent number of miles off, but you're going on the super twisty roads. That kind of defeats the purpose compared to the 75 mile per hour speed limit on <laughs> Interstate 40. Uh, right. But, you know, so, but it's not so far out of the way that you're, you know, penalizing yourself too much to go there. And if you go through there, even if you don't, you know, stop for more than, five or 10 minutes just to kind of look around it's cool and so it's it's a good place but it was great for testing uh the bike and so like i said on the way back i, I did that side route route 66 down to kingman and then out of kingman uh, route 66 old route 66 up to oatman down and then from there i hopped back on you know the interstate and you know kind of just got home but again man you set that cruise control which is super easy to use you just push the button push it up boom off you go works perfectly well uh it's great uh you know i talked about all the electronics on the bike again linked braking cornering aware abs corner aware linked braking cornering aware traction control has all that stuff but you never feel any of it you can actually it's funny they have a switch to turn the traction control off which in, in retrospect i probably should have done when i was on that gravel parking lot trying to get my way out but it didn't it didn't even in that case, I mean, I had a really good sense of the clutch in the in the gas. So I wasn't probably going to be spinning the wheel, even if I had the traction control off. But, uh, you know, the traction control never comes into play. None of that stuff ever rears its ugly head. And you're thinking, why is that on here? You know, oh, I hate this stuff. Or, you know, it just does its job transparently. Or it's not even doing its job. And I don't even know what's, you know, it just never was called upon. It's always hard to tell. But I think all that stuff, all the electronics like that are good to have, especially when you can't tell whether they're there or not. And so, you know, it, it's, it's a thoroughly modern bike, except, and this is part of the, maybe the Route 66 aspect of it, with just the windshield, there's no GPS, there's not a bunch of dials and gauges, there's just the speedometer on the tank, you know, and, and some idiot lights. And then that little LCD strip that tells you, you know, your range uh you know or you know you scroll through it it's like your range or your odometer what time it is 
Uh, it actually has a tachometer where the numbers change, but you can't read. You know, nobody would ever use that unless maybe they were tuning the bike <laughs> or something. So anyway, the, the bike gives you that 1968 feeling of touring. You know, you're up high. Like back then, they didn't worry about having the bike have a low seat height. Uh, you have just a windshield. You don't have any of the, you know, GPS gadgets or, you know, there's nothing you sync your phone to, you know, you don't uh, pair your phone with your motorcycle, you just ride it. And so in addition to giving that, that visual feeling of 1968, it also gives you a, a good sense of the experiential feeling of 1968, where there's just you and the bike. And, but of course, now you get the, the big 114 motor and, uh, you know, that bike, I whipped it up to 100 miles an hour, no problem. Now, once you get over 100, it starts to get a little, a little bit nervous, a little bit like hesitant to go, you know, the, the uh, acceleration drops off. But really, if, if you want to go over 100 miles an hour, there's different bikes to ride, <laughs> you know, but at 85 or 90, it's awesome. It's just, you know, you just reel off the miles, you know, and uh, like I said, on that part of Route 66 from Kingman to Seligman, there's no adult supervision, so you can do whatever you want, which is great. It was like, oh, that's the way I like to ride. And uh, I just relaxed. And, you know, it's again, the bike's completely relaxed at 85 miles an hour. There's no like, oh man, I'm going kind of fast, or oh, I'm a little nervous, or oh, there's a lot of wind. It just feels good. So awesome. Harley Davidson just nailed it with the Icons Collection bike again. You know, three years in a row, uh, they have put out awesome motorcycles in that little subgenre of theirs and uh, you know whoever's behind it at the factory that guy is on the gas and uh it just makes me feel good about the new ownership that they've had the few years you know they got the guy from nike and sure. so you, you start to worry like uh oh <laughs> but <laughs> these bikes are as as real as it gets you know and they're like they're the real deal as motorcycles so they're not you know hipster might want to buy it for looks but as good as it looks, the real purpose of the bike is the functionality of the touring aspect of it. It's not a great like go to the bar bike because it's too tall and kind of ungainly for that. It's for like going to the bar that's 200 miles away. Right. It is the Highway King, as you said. Right. They gave it that name Highway King. And that's a nod to, yeah, there is a Road King aspect to it. But I will remind the people that say that the Road King came later. So this bike is is honoring the predecessor to the road king this is not a successor to the road king it's about the bike that the road king was also inspired by now i wouldn't have called it a highway king it seems a little weird sounding to me but that's okay you know by it doesn't matter what the name is the bike is outstanding and it's got the electric glide name which i've always loved yeah and so uh yeah it's not, it sounds really authentic yeah it is and that's what you I think what you want in a motorcycle like that. Yeah. I really enjoyed riding it and uh, everywhere I went, people enjoyed looking at it. So that's, that's a pretty cool deal. It so is. that's what that bike is all about. All right. Well, terrific. Thank you, Don. I really appreciate it. Appreciate your insight as always. Bye. In our second segment, associate editor TJ Adams chats with Kelly Knievel. He's the son of 70s stunt riding icon Evil Knievel and brother to the late Robbie Knievel. Kelly is a producer, actor and the head of K&K Promotions, which owns the right to Evil Knievel's name. Evil Knievel, of course, needs no introduction. He was literally the ultimate showman. 
His many stunts included jumps over cars, buses, as well as attempts at the fountains at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas and at the Snake River Canyon in Idaho. Having grown up in this legendary family, Kelly's memories of both his father and his brother are great to hear. The Yamaha name stands for a heritage of motorcycle performance at classic styling. Visit your local dealer to find the 2023 Yamaha Sport Heritage bike for you. Like the Yamaha Bolt R-Spec that features a torquey V-twin engine combining old-school soul and modern form. Or the XSR 900, where timeless design meets the sheer power of a CP3 power plant and is the rebirth of a legend. The XSR 700 is built to be customized with modern classic looks and cross-plane concept twin performance. And the light and nimble V-Star 250 is built for fun with a V-twin engine and a low seat height for easy handling. For all things Yamaha Sport Heritage, visit yamahamotorsports.com or see the Bolt R-Spec XSR 900, XSR 700 or the V-Star 250 at your local dealer today. Okay, so people's perceptions today, like we grew up in the 70s in Butte, Montana, which was a small town in Montana. So people's perceptions today, like they think of famous people like like in Hollywood. Like it, we couldn't be raised more different than what went on in Hollywood or what goes or what I think people's perceptions of how famous people grow up. I mean, my dad was was never part of Hollywood, never had any managers. There was no press. There was none of that. His, I mean, his parents moved to Montana in the 20s and got to work in a horse and a buggy. So it's it's just, it's, it's just, we were raised in a small town. My dad just had a big personality and, uh, was out being evil Knievel and he came, I mean, he wasn't any different at home than when he was on the road. There was no difference in his personality. It wasn't an act. It, it, it was just a, just a different setting the way we were raised. And how many of you, how many um, siblings have you got? How many of you all together, the children? Well, there was three of us in the seventies. Uh, my little sister, uh, Alicia was born when I was 18. So I guess she was born in 79. Right. That was after my dad's run, though, basically. So three of us grew up with my dad. And did you go on events and things when he went off and did his stunts and jumps and promotions? Uh, we went on a lot of events. My dad used to drag us everywhere. Like we, we were, uh, I mean, he used to take us everywhere. He wanted us to grow up and see things and go places and do things. And I mean, he was seeing things and going places just, just the same as we were. He just drug us along with him. And what what sort of, uh, not the earliest, but have you got an earliest memory of watching him do something of maybe you didn't think what he was doing was outrageous, but like going to see one of his events, his jumps? See, the earliest thing, I'm thinking the earliest thing I remember is when he crashed at Caesar's Palace because it it was, he jumped there in January. It's, you know, a lot warmer in Las Vegas and in Montana, but he came home in January and I'll never forget he was, trying to make his way through the snow on crutches. <laughs> That's probably my earliest memory of him as a 
motorcycle rider performer. I mean, he he seems from the public point of view, and just I've only sort of known what I've known from the outside, you know, not being within the family, but he seemed to get up and go again pretty quickly. He seemed to get injured, but plow on. Yeah, he was a young man. So uh, born in 38. So when he jumped, at, I mean, he was very mature for his age, though. He had a very good camera presence. He just had a very mature presence about his person. He was only 29 years old when he jumped at Caesar's Palace. Wow. But he seems, when you hear him talk and see him interviewed, he, he always seems much older than he is. Yes, I'd because agree. He, he, mm. Yeah, he just had a, just a, just a very good presence and grasp of, of the media and his own self and what he was doing. And he just was very mature about it. Yeah, he always seemed very self-assured and not yeah. as an act. He always just seemed to be switched on. No, that was him in real life. I, he's the most confident person I've ever known in my life. Incredible guy. So um, just, I can't believe there are people who don't know, but to give a bit of background, first of all, on, on your dad, Evil Knievel, I mean, I can only throw out a few basics because he did so much. But from from my point of view, in 1975, I was a teenager in London, and that's when your dad came over to London in England and um, jumped 13 buses in Wembley. And we all remember it. You know, Arthur and I <laughs> were sort of, he was there, but I watched it on television. And that's another thing. His events were televised, which was quite an achievement. So that's my earliest memory of him. The Caesars Palace jump you, you mentioned obviously was earlier than that. So he was doing a lot of big jumps from early on. And then he went back to America and jumped over 13 buses there. No, 14 buses. <laughs> 14 buses there. 14. So he crashed on 13 buses. Always upping the game. Yeah, so he crashed on 13 buses. So it, uh, on those TV shows that you're talking about, that was on Wide World of Sports. He, he has Wide World of Sports at the time was the most watched sports program in the world. And he, he has four of the top 10 most watched Wide World of Sports shows including the number one most watched wide world of sports show. I mean, bigger than any boxing match or soccer match or uh, any other sporting event that was on wide world of sports, including the Olympics. Astounding. So when he crashed in England after he jumped over 13 buses, that was like the, the third or fourth most watched wide world of sports show. And he broke his back and his pelvis. And then he decided to come back to the United States and jump over 14 buses which is i mean can you imagine laying in the hospital with a with a broken pelvis and a broken back and saying you know what i'm not going to quit i'm not going to go out with a crash i'm going to go back to the united states and i'm going to jump over i'm going to jump even further i mean that that's just the kind of man he was and and then the mind blowing and then that was the number one highest rated wide world of sports show because he didn't want he didn't want to go out with a crash he didn't want to go out as a loser he just was just had a very powerful personality and positive attitude about himself. Yeah, extremely positive. Even to be thinking of doing anything like that again, having that those standard of injuries. Yeah. Very ballsy. Were you ever tempted to start doing stunts or did you ever do stunts yourself or ride motorcycles? Well, my dad had uh, my brother and I on a motorcycle when we were young. And I, I just had no interest in the motorcycles and especially I had no interest in being famous. 
I mean, I couldn't carry my brother's shoes across the street on a motorcycle, number one. And number two, that gene, like I'm going to call it a gene because I can pick it out of my nieces and nephews. <laughs> <laughs> it's like there's just there there's there's just certain people that want to be famous. And they just so, so I'm going to call it the famous gene. Like I never had the famous gene at all. So people always tell me it's like, well, it, your brother got your dad's balls and you got his brain. So <laughs> <laughs> excellent. <laughs> I like that. I'm happy with my lot in life as it stands. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's quite something to be uh, contented is, is an achievement <laughs> in itself. And so your brother, if we, your brother, unfortunately, died recently. And I'm very sorry to uh, hear that. Um, Thank you. Yeah, it's um, the gene is within him because he started trying stunts when he was quite young, from what I've read. Oh, yeah. When he was a little kid, probably 10 years old, he was out jumping his bicycle over things yeah he probably saw your dad and thought yeah I'll give that a go as opposed to you and I and I'm, a, I'm I'm your type of person wouldn't really want to do anything that mad well there's lots of people that gave it a go I mean there's lots of kids who are out there jumping their bicycles but you know what you gotta I mean Robbie's made some jumps that were just incredible to me how far he jumps so uh like when he jumped over the Grand Canyon you know the next time you're on the on the seventh floor of a building, a hundred miles an hour. That's how high in the air he was when he jumped the Grand Canyon. And then he landed on an uneven, broken desert cactus ground. I, I mean, Robbie's really done some fantastic jumps. Yeah, well, he upped the game. I mean, he, he could see what your dad had um, attempted and tried and achieved, and he seemed to have even even bigger ideas. Yeah, well, he had to. He had a contract with Fox, and it, he had a five-jump series with Fox, and they had to invent things to keep people interested, to keep them watching, and, man, they came up with some real scary bar jumps. Man, crazy. And did you go and uh, watch his events live? Uh, yeah, I watched... Uh, Let's see, I watched Robbie's jump when he jumped the limousines at the Tropicana. That was another really far jump. Um, his building jump, I was at the Mirage jump, the Grand Canyon jump. Yeah, I've seen a lot of Robbie's jumps. So lots of them. I mean, that must have been really... I've, I've been yeah, it's nerve-wracking. <laughs> yeah, nerve-wracking. Yeah. yeah, it's very nerve-wracking, especially when you're there in person. You're there in person, it's, it's, it's really nerve-wracking. Mm. It's far less nerve wracking when you see it on TV than live because you can feel everybody's emotion around you. Yes. So it's very nerve wracking. Caesar's Palace was another nerve wracking jump because no one had made it before. I mean, the three guys had tried it before crashed. Wow. So, and then Robbie made it look like a piece of cake for crying out loud. He just made a perfect <laughs> jump. That's astounding. Yeah. And uh, Robbie has children of his own. Yeah, Robbie has three girls. And are they, have they got the gene to either be famous or to be stunt riders? Oh, my God, I know. Who, who, can, keep, who knows? can keep track of all these kids? <laughs> <laughs> so um, your, your dad, Evil Knievel, he had a very distinctive look. He had um, this terrific suit that he wore, this outfit. Um, he really made a mark, as it were. Um, and he had toys made. Yeah, he was a, uh, I mean, he was a handsome, swashbuckling American hero, really. And if you think about it, those 
toys in the 70s were the biggest selling toys at the time in history. And when you see all the people that do licensing deals today, back in the 70s, my dad really started the licensing business. So there might have been an endorsement to where an athlete or a quarterback might have endorsed a product, but nobody really had products of their own that they were selling in the 70s. And uh, my dad basically started that business and that toy was the biggest selling toy in history. So, I, I mean, he's just done a, a, a lot of things in life that were the first. I mean, it's 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 like I try and explain to people all the time, you know what, there's a thousand quarterbacks and a thousand soccer players and a hundred golfers and a million boxers and basketball players. You know what, there's only one Evil Knievel and Evil Knievel started his own uh, athletic genre uh, out of his own imagination. So, I mean, that's just, that's just the character of the man. Yeah, he was a real thinker and really um, applied kind of innovative ideas. Yeah, to, to, his, to his own fame and popularity. I mean, everybody had one of those toys where you could see Evil Knievel just do his jump. You just <laughs> yeah, we still have it today. We just started remaking it a couple of years ago. It's really neat. Oh, excellent! Really. So, where can we get hold of one of those? Well, if you go to uh, well, if you just go to evilknievel.com, you can you can just click on it and it'll take you right to the site. But the 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 things that people are doing with the toys today, like there's guys that have videos that get millions of views with the things they do with these toys. I, it's it's really it's pretty funny to watch them what they do <laughs> like they'll jump them out of second story windows out of houses and they'll land the jump in their driveway somehow i it's really neat you should see them i will have a look try and have a yeah, look yeah, at some of cool. those <laughs> Jeez, i mean it's phenomenal he's really left uh, uh both him and your brother you know there's a, like a real history here yeah it's like the whole start of the extreme sports world and posthumously, your father was um, induced into the Motorcycle Hall of Fame, I believe. Well, I think he probably started it. <laughs> <laughs> he was first there. That'd be kind of the least of his accomplishments, I think. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> he was busy into a million and one things. <laughs> and um, there, <laughs> there is a museum, um, an Evil Knievel Museum. Um, have you been part of that? There's an Evil Knievel Museum in Topeka, Kansas, which we are moving to Las Vegas. And uh, it, it's, it'll be open probably in the summer of 2024. We're going to have all kinds of neat virtual rides where people can actually sit on a motorcycle and, and there's a screen in front of them and they can see where they're actually feel the motorcycle and the jump and everything. Wow, <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah, so, yeah, so that'll be really neat. Yeah, I'd like to have a go at that. Uh, we have one in Topeka, Kansas, and uh, and they take videos of the people that are actually doing the jump, and they're like like they're literally screaming because it, <laughs> it it feels real. I mean, it's a virtual thing, but it feels real. Wow, that sounds like a terrific experience. I'm going to make my way to Topeka, Kansas, so I can do a before and after. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're not very far from there now. It's a day's drive. <laughs> That's true, actually. Yeah, we could uh, circle back round. And you yourself, wh where has your career taken you? 
Uh, well, I live in Las. I moved to Las Vegas when I was uh, twenty. Two. What I do, I answered an ad in a newspaper and I borrowed a thousand dollars from my sister and I got on a Greyhound bus and I got dropped off in downtown Las Vegas to make my fortune. <laughs> <laughs> so I've done lots of things, but there's an element, an element of risk to that as well. I've always worked for myself since I was, let's see, I think I've worked for myself. I've never worked for anyone since I was 23. I think I got that from my dad. Yeah, Matt, give it a go. So I've done lots of things, but now I, uh, uh, before my dad died, I, I bought all of his, all of his intellectual property and his memorabilia. So then I leased it back to him for the rest of his life. You know, there was no dealing with my dad. Actually, you, you, you had to, you had to keep him at arm's length or else your arm was coming off at the shoulder. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so after my dad died, I started managing all that. And then it's, I, of course, we split it up with everyone in our family. You know, we're not rich, but our bills are all paid. Yeah, no, that's fabulous, though, that you, you're, you know, preserving the history. Yeah. Yeah, my dad told me, he sat me down one time, he said, Kelly, I'm going to be worth more dead than alive. Oh, really? And if you can't make any money off of it, you don't deserve any. <laughs> <laughs> Tough love. <laughs> he, was, he was that way about everything. So you riding motorcycles yourself at all? Uh, no, I just don't ride motorcycles, especially on the street. It scares me. Mm. I went for a ride the other day on a motorcycle on the street, and I I was like, this is just not for this is just not for me. If I was out in the woods, maybe, but it just seems people in cars just don't pay too much attention to, or they don't notice people on motorcycles. Yeah, it's true. Wouldn't it be great if everybody had to do a little motorcycle? Yeah. Uh, course or ride for a year before they got their car license <laughs> that would make a difference yeah it's true a lot of people don't see bikes well um it's been fantastic speaking with you and um we will put a link to um the uh, museum as it is now in Topeka and then let people know also when you move to Las Vegas that's uh yeah that'll be in the summer of uh 2024 yeah we'll have a big ribbon cutting and I don't know what we're going to, we'll have a big event for it though. It'll be fun. Yeah, make something of it for yeah. sure. That'll be fantastic. Well, we appreciate your time. Thank you very much. And uh, all right, nice talking. Yeah, to you. and you, and thanks for, for joining us. Till then. All right, bye.